Hey, welcome to our 15th episode of Rethinking Trauma and Transition. And today we're talking about the inner child. So at Rethinking Trauma and Transition, we challenge the stigma surrounding trauma and the healing through our podcast. We aim to empower those who are experiencing these challenges, providing them with the knowledge and language necessary to embark on a transformative journey towards a more fulfilling life. So we said we were going to talk about the inner child, Rich. Yep. What is what are we referring to when we talk about that? It is. Well, I think class, people can classify it in three different ways, can't they? Mm-hmm. Um, so there is parts theory, ego states, and what Gordon Emerson is it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, resource states. Mm-hmm. They they're all pretty much the same thing, but um, they're all resources or states that we have in our own neurology, and what we revert back to potentially in a stressful situation is we can go back to our inner child of how we were brought up, how we react to how we reacted in that whether it was, um, excuse me to fight, flight, or freeze and fawn. And then we can continue acting in those behaviours as an adult because we haven't yet formed a better outcome to deal with those situations. So you and I were talking about this before we started this and Mm. and we were debating the ages of some of our inner childs, weren't we? Yeah. And um, the classic example was um sense of humor what age is your sense of humor so mine i reckon swings between um 10 and a very dry and sarcastic 15 mm-hmm. and uh, when i asked you how old your your inner child for the sense of humor was your response was seven years old seven <laughs> uh-huh and I was just conscious when, when we were talking about that, that maybe some examples almost are quite helpful for people to be able to contextualise it. You know, so another one I know is um, that, which we've talked about before, isn't it? About that horrible moment when somebody says, can I speak to you in the office for a moment? And all of a sudden yeah. you go back to that point, probably as a child where you felt quite vulnerable and quite, you know, so again, for me, that would be 11. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not always about the inner child but about the age at which we learn or experience that yeah but we talk about that inner child And I know you and I, for instance, have done a lot of reading and conversations about ACEs, mm-hmm. which for those listening is adverse childhood experiences. Because a lot of our emotional responses are shaped by our early responses. Yeah. And this is where we go up 
learning relationships from our parents. Um, I was doing some therapy stroke coaching with one chap. And he wanted to have a conversation because he wasn't getting along with his mother, mother still. Um, this guy, say early 30s he is. And he wanted help to get on better with his mother and have a better relationship with her. But he was also then stood that power dynamic of instead of being the adult, he'd gone gone to the child. Mm-hmm. Whereas the mother held all that power. And he felt, I'm guessing obviously not mind reading, is that he was still that child of X amount of years old and he couldn't speak to his mother and have a more of an adult conversation in how their relationship could get improved um, or how they could move their relationship forward and have a better one. So anyway, I suggested a few things to this chap and he said uh, after he said after these suggestions is, my wife has been telling me exactly the same thing, but it, but obviously I told him a slightly different way. Yeah. So hopefully he's gone on and now resolved that um, situation. But I think what's interesting sometimes about that is that we don't actually have to have the conversations with the people that were round about us at the time to resolve that. Mm-hmm. We just have to you could argue have the conversation with that part. Could indeed, yeah. Because similar to you, I mean, working with somebody with um, stage fright, and we identified the fact that that actually the part that showed up in that moment was about eight or nine years old. Mm-hmm. And once we worked with that eight or nine year old part to give that that part, that reassurance and and find another part that was willing to kind of take care of it, actually the stage fright disappeared. Yeah, yeah. We gave other resources that would allow that person to access more adult states that were better able to deal with that. Because yeah. I think we've all had that situation where we turn up for an event or something that we've committed to do and all of a sudden something that we would normally be able to absolutely rock out the park goes all horribly wrong because we've got a player playing out of position. The wrong parts turned up yeah. for the show. Yeah. Because from they reckon that the majority of our parts are created in early childhood to early adulthood so Mm -hmm. from birth probably through to about 13 14 there will be others that will be created by particular events as we progress but on average i think i read somewhere that most people have on average about anything up to about 90 different parts Mm -hmm. i've read it's more than that but it doesn't really matter it's still a huge amount anyway i think between 19 120 around about that Mm -hmm. Uh, the vast and a lot of these, unfortunately, can be what's called vaded state as well, isn't it? So these are parts that are damaged, haven't been nurtured or looked after in some way, neglected. And so when 
these eco states parts of resources are put to the fore they've gone back to however old that was when it developed it hasn't had the chance the opportunity yet to move on to something bigger and better to be more integrated into that person i think what's interesting is that's also about the anchor to those emotions that are associated mm -hmm. with that because because that part's almost like frozen in time stuck in that loop of that experience with that emotional response from that previous event from that previous yeah. experience and going back to what you're saying about around about 12 13 is our where most estates are developed listen to the paul check podcast he he claims through his research is the vast majority of people in adults haven't developed past that 12 year old point so the vast majority of us are still at a 12-year-old age with our psychology and mentality. Yeah, because that might that that's really referencing, I suppose, our emotional responses, mm -hmm. isn't it? Our yeah. problem solving, our communication styles, you know, whether or not we um or how we engage with conflict, our responses yeah. to those, um, how we demonstrate commitment or emotion with other people our openness and ability to talk about our feelings or not you know those those are the elements that we're really, we're really referencing there mm -hmm. because our experiences in those formative years we have no way to know that whether that's normal or not we have to take it for granted that that's normal so that becomes our normal that becomes yeah. the pattern we, we we seek to replicate that's right. I was listening to a YouTube video the other day about um, growing up as childhood, and this chap in particular, he was given the talking about um, low-level depression, and what he was saying was that it's like having a refrigerator on in the background. There's a constant hum. And that constant hum has always been there. Or we've always grown up with that constant hum. And when talking with other people, they go, what are you talking about? I don't have that. Mm -hmm. But that, that constant hum, that constant background noise is your normal. And for other people, they have no reference of that kind of thing. Well, I think it's a bit like... When I grew up, there was a railway line just behind the house and there was a pit just beyond that. Mm -hmm. I never once heard the pit sirens for the change of shift and I very rarely heard the trains going past and they went past regularly unless I actively listened for them because yeah. I filtered it out because that was just normal. Mm -hmm. And I think it's the same if we have... A prolonged emotional state it becomes our normal and we it's emotional blindness isn't it it's like nose blind but for emotions yeah so this is potentially why adults then growing up and they've been in um, chaotic households so their normal would be then experiencing that want to keep that experience over and over again because that is what their normal is instead of finding a better solution to want to live by. Because living with somebody who might be a lot more quiet, a lot more reserved, not 
we would have a conflict, we would have argument, but only when it's needed, when it's when when it's required. They get bored of that kind of relationship, and it's not um, rewarding. It's not. It's not normal. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I think sometimes that can feel quite odd when it's mm. a situation or a response pattern that we're not used to. Yeah. It can be almost uncomfortable. So it much as though that volatility in one level isn't what we're looking for, it feels normal. It feels so there's almost a level of safety and comfort in it because we know what that pattern is. We know how it plays out and we know what the responses are that we've learned within that pattern from an early childhood. Yeah. So the other thing, the other parts are um, interjects, and I think they're quite interesting ones. Mm-hmm. Can you explain those to our listeners, please, Ali? Yeah, so interjects are the parts that aren't necessarily representations of us. They'll be representations of others that have been particularly influential in our experiences. Now, that could be the critical parent. It could be the voice of a childhood bully. It could be a particularly influential line manager or friend. They are the voices in a lot of ways of our inner critics. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, if we're lucky, we're fortunate, our inner champions. Yeah. We touched on that in one of our previous podcasts, haven't we? Our inner critics and inner champions. Yeah, we have. Mm. And how sometimes what's really powerful is to ask, is this my voice or someone else's? Mm -hmm. Because that allows us to tether that to the experience and then start to go, well, actually, is that fact or is it opinion? And starts to allow us to address that, that interject, that other part that says, actually, you're not you're not part of my landscape. You're someone else's. Mm -hmm. And it's sifting through those interjects and bits and bobs and finding that real voice, that true voice of yours. And allowing that to come to the fore. Well, the other thing I like about, about when I'm talking about parts is that concept of a player out of place and talking about that being a team, because at any given time, we probably, we don't have all 90 to 120 of these parts actively in the, the front room of our existence in any one given time would be damn busy in there. We generally have between 10 and 12 mm-hmm. who are our active committee. But only ever one will be in that lead role that's in charge of the proceedings in that moment in time. And that's a bit like a football or rugby team where each of those those team members have very specific skills, very specific traits, talents, capacities. And that's why sometimes, you know, generally I quite like giving presentations, but every now and then they'll turn up for one and it feels like some the, the wrong person's and turned up for the show because it just goes horribly wrong. My anxiety shoots through the roof and instead of enjoying the experience as it would normally, it becomes something entirely different because my players are out of place. But that also means that when we're working with those parts, 
that sometimes it's as simple as finding what that part's skills and talents are and placing them in the right role. You know, there's nothing wrong with having a 10 or 15 year old or a seven year old that's in charge of our sense of humor. That's perfectly acceptable. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that there's that's and sometimes accessing that sense of humor can help at different points. It can help us make maybe conversation more appealing. It can help us build rapport. It can help us make connections with people have a shared sense of humor or or experience because not all of these these so these are our strengths that we have mm -hmm. yeah. what ways do you find useful to reintegrate though that inner child and help it to heal because what I do with some of the people I work with is take them on a journey as the adult, and they'll be somewhere along that journey is that that child, and get them to talk to that child and ask him what they need, what that child needs. So as they're walking along together, I'm also reinforcing that message to them as they're having chat as well, and then eventually through that story is they'll reach a point where say how do you want to be integrated now or is it time to say goodbye to that or however you want to end or deal with that is that something similar you do ali or well i think there are a number of different ways yeah, there are yeah do that um so for instance both you and i use hypnosis um but you can you can work with parts without having to work with with, hyp with hypnosis. Okay. Sometimes it can be very conversational. Sometimes it can be almost timeline-based, like you were describing. And that can be incredibly powerful, an experience for someone. And sometimes I feel like um, my previous career comes before, because I worked in HR for years, and it's almost like a negotiation with each of the team to go, okay, let's talk about skills today <laughs> where you'd really like to be instead. Let's do a wee bit of performance management and talk about your career path for the next X number of years. <laughs> or you or you or they get put on a PIP, isn't it? <laughs> well plan. well generally that's 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 not the way I would go. It's more about well actually let's find out where that becomes a strength for you and let's find a way to integrate it so that you can access that as a strength mm -hmm. so that we can find a position in the team that works for both you and that part yeah and sometimes that's as simple as a conversation with somebody where you you almost acknowledge the complexity that we have in our makeup where they are able to identify that oh that that emotion actually doesn't belong here it belongs much earlier in my life and go, well, actually, let's work with that now. Mm -hmm. And those can be really powerful conversations. Yeah. We carry a lot from our childhood. Yeah, we do. There's that old, um, I know there's other people who've said it, but I know, it's a Jesu I know the Jesuits, the one they used to say is, give me point till he said, no, I'll give you the man. Yeah. Uh -huh. That's where all the programming starts. And those are really powerful years. Mm -hmm. 
the amount of normalizing that we do within that because if you think about it our world experience at that point doesn't have the scope to question what we see round about us we just have the capacity to accept that that is the way it is but that's when we are learning mm. our responses and interactions as well well at that age we're very highly dependent on our parents and whoever our caregivers are we are so we absolutely have no or very little control of what happens mm -hmm. and we certainly don't have the capacity to challenge or question no. that or if we do challenge that then the old saying is they'll come down on you like a ton of bricks because they don't want that challenge that whoever that adult is doesn't like that challenge doesn't want to be questioned as to doing something right what is right for them wrong for you and that's sometimes where some of our more limiting beliefs come from within that dynamic if we're fortunate then we're raised in a household that that allows us the freedom to explore and shape our own beliefs and our own emotional responses and guides us but not everybody has that experience And in both of those situations, what we experience, we have no way to question. Yeah. As it being anything other than normal. And the patterns that we pick up then, we replicate in later life until we learn to challenge them. Mm -hmm. Until we go back and reassess them and go, actually, is this still valid for me? And that's hard work. Yeah. Thanks. I think it takes quite a bit of courage actually to face those challenges that we have and to acknowledge those and say, what areas of my life am I lacking and what areas of my life do I need to improve upon? Where can I develop better relationships and relate to people better? I would agree because in each of those situations, we're stepping out of our experience of normal to date. Mm. We're in unfamiliar territory. Yeah. And for most of us, that makes us feel quite insecure and quite vulnerable because we don't know what happens next. No. We haven't got that experience to allow us to approach that from a place of knowing and a place of safety and security. But if we don't challenge them, then all we do is repeat the same old, same old. And that's where quite often you and I come in is helping guide those conversations helping navigate to that point of realisation where somebody recognises the pattern that doesn't work and helping them build their resiliency and their strategies and adopting something new Mm -hmm. and stepping into that unknown territory yeah. until that becomes their new normal. Absolutely. So it's helping them, as this, this podcast is about, is being able to redefine and not have that stigma anymore of living that way and finding a new and better way, having a more fulfilling and rewarding life. 
The other thing is, is that sometimes those patterns might linger for a while. Yeah. But it doesn't mean to say that without that with with a with the recognition that they're even there, that you can't start to make really powerful changes in that. Because those patterns were there for a reason. And sometimes it's as simple as repurposing that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whether that's about you 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 and I've talked about before a ridge a bridge out warning sign that we pay attention to, or whether it's finding a a different use for that pattern that gives us a better outcome. Mm-hmm. We redeploy it elsewhere. Yeah. Well, I know when listen on the Mike Mandel podcast, he often talks about ego states and all that, mm-hmm. and one of his ones that he would call is blurt. And on a few, quite a few occasions, the blurt would come to the fore and just sh- say something completely random and whatever you have to listen to the podcast. Um, he over time managed to change the shape of it. I believe it just a massive head with a big mouth and very little ears. He then talked to it and asked it, asked this state. How could it be improved? How could it be more of use for him? So over time, the shape and the image of this blurt turned into um, somebody wearing a suit. And I think they end up being called a negotiator or something along those sort of lines to be a more of a useful um, state within him and able to do better things. Yeah, and this is also where... I'll laugh because you keep giving me rabbit holes to go down, Rich. Uh-huh. You regularly give me rabbit holes and you know fine well that I'll just chase that rabbit right down the hole and I'll disappear for the next four hours because I'll be like totally engrossed in finding out what the, everything I can about this subject. Which is ironic because I'm not really a book learning kind of a person. But that also means that if I have something that I is very theoretical that I need to kind of work on, I need that that trait, that skill with, then I'll engage that part. I'll actively invite it to the front because that's its area of strength. Hmm. And when I'm giving presentations, then it might be standing in the sidelines, but I'll also have my 10 to 15-year-old sense of humour, normally the 10-year-old because it's much more whimsical, standing right next to me ready to jump in with the the funny story and the wee bit of raconteur you know just to lighten the mood and that sort of stuff and and i have a storyteller part as well that feeds me the metaphors because these are all areas that i have different strengths and capabilities in mm-hmm. and it's about recognizing what those are and actively seeking areas where these are of benefit to us putting them in the right place yeah it's really designing your dream team isn't it it is it is who do you want on board mm-hmm. who do you want navigating that ship of yours who are you going to make the goalkeeper who are you going to make the captain yeah who's going to play centre forward I'm going to stop there because I'm running out of my knowledge in football now uh-huh. Yeah. As you said, it's that getting that right team in the right place and having the right fit. 
Yeah. So in a heated situation, do you want that nine-year-old kid coming to the floor and then panicking and reverting back to that state? Or my hot-headed 13-year-old? No, I most certainly do not. <laughs> so if you listen back to our previous podcast on how to deal with conflict and anger, that gives you ways and methods of dealing with all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's about taking a step back, taking a more of a rational look at those situations and going, yeah, there's better ways of dealing with whatever's going on around me than you're using that hot-headed 13-year-old alley. Well, in a way, when we do that, what we're doing is we're inviting another part to the front. Hmm. One that's a bit more measured. Yeah. Hmm. So... I suppose that's where um, we all have our teams and there's a, I suppose it's a reminder to every day if that's something that you are struggling with, if you have players out of place and you want to have a conversation with either Rich or myself about that, then you can DM us, you can email us and we'll have a conversation with you about what that would look like because we all deserve a Premier League team, a top league team. Mm. And we all have the capacity to have that. Yeah. So what have we talked about? What have we covered off, Rich? So we talked a little bit about the ego states parts and resources and how they're all the same thing. Mm-hmm. One thing what we didn't cover off, Ali, I think is quite important, is that these are, don't actually exist. It's all about the neurolog- neuro- yeah. neurological wiring. We're not, well. about, uh, we're not talking about psychosis here. No. <laughs> what we're talking about is is the different facets of our personality. Yeah. And the, the more we integrate these parts and we get rid of all the unuseful things that we no longer serve us, that neurology, the, that, those connections will start withering and dying off, mm-hmm. but they want to hang on and hang around now. But eventually at some point they go, we don't want that to make a new connection somewhere else. Well, that's in effect when we when we redeploy that part to a new job that better suits their skills, isn't it? If I was to use put that in metaphorical language. Yeah. I'll just put a bit of clarification if people are interested in that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we talked about teams out of place and who do you want in your team? And we talked about ACEs as well. We've touched yeah. on that, but we're going to do that in a lot more depth because that's a big topic. Yeah. And we've it has got a massive some, impact. Yeah, we've got some specialists coming in talking all about lots of stuff. And that's one that's very much worth looking out for because it impacts very heavily on terms of our trauma responses, our adult responses, our relationships, all of the above. Yeah. Anyway, we thank you for listening all over the world. In Germany, the Netherlands, the States, Canada, Mm -hmm. Ireland, and a whole host of other places. And feel free if you've got any questions or there's anything that we are discussing that you want to find out more about, you can reach out to either Rich or I and you can catch us on our um, Rethinking Trauma and Transition email or you can DM us or leave a comment and we'll get back to you. That's cool. Yeah. Until next time. Until next time. Thank you very much. Thank you.